1: Grammar Girl here. You may have heard of a podcast that's been getting a lot of attention lately called Welcome to Night Vale. Or maybe you're even a listener. Well, this week, guest writer Gretchen McCulloch of the All Things Linguistic blog is going to show us one of the interesting things Night Vale does with something called negation. Normally, we expect a negative statement to mean the opposite of a positive one. For example, Carlos is a scientist, means the opposite of Carlos isn't a scientist. It's impossible for both of them to be true at the same time, unless we've sneakily introduced two Carloses or two meanings for scientist, in which case the one sentence isn't really the negative equivalent of the other anyway. Existing is the opposite of non-existing. A and not A are mutually exclusive. That's negation. So far, so good, but in the delightfully surreal podcast, Welcome to Night Vale, the writers do some cool things with negation that allow us to conclude a positive statement when we hear someone saying a negative one, using just a little bit of pragmatics. Let's start with a fairly obvious example from episode twenty-five. Cecil, the narrator, says
2: Oh just one short year ago. I had arranged a small ceremony to mark this occasion and invited Carlos to attend. However, it looks like he will be delayed. But I am not worried. I am not upset. I know that Carlos will be here for the ceremony. I have the trophy here in my hand. I am holding the trophy and I am not upset. Carlos will be here. He will. I am holding the trophy.
1: On the web, a transcript of the audio notes that Cecil is speaking in an upset and tense tone of voice, even as he says, I'm not worried. I'm not upset clearly indicating to the listener that he is in fact very upset, but doesn't want to admit it. From, I am not upset, we conclude, I am upset. This is actually fairly common. If you've ever heard someone yell, I am not angry, you've probably concluded the same thing. More subtle is the second type of negation, which tends to refer to questionable governmental activities. For example, from episode 14.
2: Happy New Year, Nightvale! Last night's fireworks extravaganza at the Night Vale Harbor and Waterfront Recreation Area was beautiful. This is despite the fact that the Night Vale Harbor and Waterfront Recreation Area never really existed and was in no way a multi-million dollar failure of municipal planning. And just because the only things remaining on the premises are several large piles of rubble and a red sign reading nothing is here, nothing was ever here, does not mean that they failed to correctly use tax dollars to build a harbor, a waterfront, or a recreation area. Anyway, the fireworks over the city made sign were lovely. Happy 2013.
1: And similarly from episode 8.
2: This Just In. We're receiving word from the city council that there was absolutely not a Pink Floyd Multimedia Laser Spectacular this weekend at Radon Canyon. That there never was a Pink Floyd Multimedia Laser Spectacular ever near Nightvale. Pink Floyd is not even a thing, said the council in a very stern but quiet statement just received by me, here, via phone. The council, and this is strange the entire council. Not just a representative of the council, the entire council issued this statement, all speaking in unison just now over the phone. That Nightvale citizens are prohibited from discussing any lights or sounds coming from Radon Canyon this past weekend, and that they should just stop remembering Pink Floyd shows altogether the council reiterated that there is no way that they are huge Floyd fans privately using public funds on a laser-powered seance to talk hard-rockin' classic jams with the ghost of original frontman Sid Barrett. And that Sid wouldn't even say anything juicy anyway because he is such a gentleman and an artist. This did not happen at all.
1: How did you interpret these passages? You probably concluded that there was in fact a waterfront recreation area and a Pink Floyd multimedia laser spectacular and that the city council was trying to cover them up. But you can't have gotten those ideas from the literal meaning of the passages because after all, they were negated. So we have to go a level deeper. Some people like to deep clean every Saturday morning. I prefer to spend a few minutes every day keeping things fresh with Lysol. Lysol's brand new day toilet bowl cleaner disinfects both the toilet brush and bowl, killing 99.9% of viruses and bacteria with a fragrance that feels like a tropical getaway for your senses. (sighs) Don't just clean, Lysol Clean.
0: You like to watch new stuff, right?
1: For a very limited time, Grammar Girl listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Is it rosettastone.com slash grammar. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash grammar today. Why would someone have bothered to talk in such extensive detail about something that didn't happen? There were lots and lots of things that didn't happen to me yesterday, including wearing furry pants, consuming wheat byproducts, and growing a third eye, but I don't go around listing them all to everyone. In fact, the list of things that hasn't happened is probably infinite. Why would someone mention a particular one? The basic reason is summed up in one of Grice's maxims be relevant. In other words, when someone says something, we as listeners assume that it was somehow relevant. There are many other things that do not exist in Nightvale. Why would the city council have bothered to assert that a waterfront recreation activity and a Pink Floyd multimedia laser spectacular? do not exist unless they were somehow relevant to the townspeople, perhaps because they saw or heard the traces of things that looked a lot like them. It's the same reason that it's suspicious to see a box of cereal with the words, asbestos-free. Cereal never contains asbestos, but the fact that someone went to the bother of denying it means that we assume that asbestos is relevant to cereal— and thus we immediately view the other serials with suspicion by contrast. It's successful marketing via Grice's maxim of relevance. Other Gricean maxims are be brief and be as informative as necessary, but no more. Surely it would have been sufficient to negate the existence of a waterfront recreation area and a Pink Floyd multimedia laser spectacular only once instead of the three and five times respectively that we heard earlier. So why would the city council have bothered to assert multiple times in very emphatic tones that these two things do not exist and have never existed? Methinks the council protests too much, and actually ends up implying that they do exist. However, the city council isn't the only one saying all these negations. Cecil, as narrator, is also saying them by reporting the council's words on the radio. And Joseph Fink and Jeffrey Kanor are saying them as writers of the podcast. If Cecil is reporting the city council's activities by adding lots of negation— He could be implying that he thinks they're lying, but wants to add plausible deniability. However, he seems to be reporting their words directly. Pink Floyd is not even a thing, said the council. In this case, what the writers are probably implying is that the city council is not only using city funds dishonestly, but also isn't very competent at lying about it. I'd hypothesize that judicious use of implicature and other pragmatic devices make for better storytelling. Real-life liars don't tell you that they're lying, and instead you have to figure it out from how they're expressing themselves. So, having to deduce that fictional characters are saying something different from their literal words makes them seem more real which is something Gretchen previously noted in looking at lying, presupposition, and implicature in the Lizzie Bennet diaries, so it's fun to find an example in another source. Thanks to the people at Welcome to Night Vale for giving us permission to use their audio. This article originally appeared on allthingslinguistic.com, a blog by Gretchen McCulloch. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. You can find more information about me and my game at GrammarPop.com. That's all. Thanks for listening.
2: Cheers to a great day and this ice-cold Corona. You know what would make this day even better? My grandma's carne asada. Throw in some music. We can watch the game. Or we could keep it simple. Corona, la vida más fina. Get your Corona at ordercorona.com. Relax responsibly. Corona Extra Beer imported by Corona Imports, Chicago, Illinois. At
0: Capella University.